Hi guys, Sean and Miriam here, and welcome to That Staff Room Podcast. Every other week, we will be chatting about all things school-related, from school dinners to Ofsted ratings. Join us in the conversation as we delve into the life of a teacher, the good, the bad, and the downright hilarious. Now, lesson is in session. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of That Staff Room Podcast, and it is exam season. I think we're about three and a half weeks away. How are we feeling, Miriam? Very soon, isn't it? And I know that there's a lot of students and teachers, not just students, but teachers also feel the pressure, who are just feeling that little bit anxious right now, because you've got to remember, we haven't had exams for like two years. It's crazy, eh? It is crazy to think that i mean we spoke a while ago about six formers leaving six form having no gcse mm. exams and then you know doing no a levels essentially yeah yeah, yeah. so this is massive and um i know that exams are not the be all and end all in the school mm-hmm. is much more than exams but ultimately it is such a big you know focal point it's a part that rightly or wrongly we feel the pressure as teachers and students mm. as well to be judged in this way essentially yeah, it's almost like a rite of passage, isn't it? <laughs> Going through your exams. And yeah, it, it definitely is a huge pressure. And though it isn't, as you say, the most important thing of school life, it does feel like quite an, a significant part of kind of your time at school. So I suppose that leads us on nicely to what we're doing this week, which is talking about all things exam, all things revision. And hopefully it'll be something that is really useful to all teachers and maybe some students who are listening today so on that note I did want to ask Sean when you were at school were you a planner or were you a crammer when it came to your exams I was a hundred percent committed to the crammer lifestyle (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I thought you were gonna say I really thought you were gonna say I was really organized (laughs) had a timetable really planned out how I was gonna do things that wasn't you no no it is now I'll, I'll be honest like it is now true, like, I can imagine you'd like think that now but, but yeah. going back it wasn't um but it was a very different time what were you were you mm. a crammer or a planner totally a crammer like are you still a crammer? by the seat of my pa- totally totally right, yeah. I am that person the night before something that is up till very early hours in the morning <laughs> making sure it gets done and it gets done <laughs> but yeah unfortunately I haven't learned the skill yet I think like personally it's horses for courses isn't it in some ways like some people do genuinely feel better in certain modes and they work Mm -hmm. more kind of you know I guess urgency plays a part in it doesn't it you know if you feel like you have to get this done you're going to get it done but I've definitely done things where I've got something coming up but I'm not going to do it until my room is tidy or my oh, desk is tidy or my inbox is, is clear classic yeah of procrastination course. Like, you know even today before this podcast i was like i have to tidy the room before i can even plan something like i had to do it and i didn't did i it's been messy like the whole weekend not that messy just a little bit messy <laughs> i know there's definitely some science there that says you mm-hmm. know cramming is not the one any day of the week never um, but it got me through. If I'm yeah, honest, I did yeah. pretty well, actually, in my GCSEs and A-levels. I think the thing was, though, when we were at school, like, 
exams weren't really talked about in in the sense of no. um how you prepared for them and revision strategies like there was not a single lesson that i can recall anyway on revision strategies and i do remember like i do remember one of my my history teachers talking to us about just rewriting notes mm. just rewrite your notes just rewrite them three three or four times and by that point it will sink in and that's what I used to do I would rewrite notes so I'd have like maybe pages and pages of notes I'd copied from a textbook then I'd reduce it down to like a page like two pages and then I'd reduce it down even further to a flashcard which really meant that the size of my handwriting just got smaller and smaller each time and that was about the extent actually there was two other things I did do that was about the extent to my revision because we just weren't taught how to revise it just wasn't a thing was it no for me it was just reading through revision guides that was all I remember doing really yeah as a a kid and I I can't say that I did very well in my exams like at all so (laughs) I think that was for other reasons (laughs) well this was the thing I was going to bring up so at this point in time I would have been on study leave Mm -hmm. and study leave I don't know if it was the same in your school but study leave in mine was like you come back after you basically don't come back after Easter they just yeah. send you home, you know, and just yeah. say you're going to revise at home. Do which, what you like. <laughs> yeah. And when yeah. I came into teaching, that was what I was expecting to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I've, I've, since I've been teaching, I've never seen a study, like study leave. I've never seen it. Yeah. I was shocked, actually, because there's a couple of schools that I work with now and they do still offer study leave. And I was like, really? Gosh, because... Mm like you say like I've I've not seen that happen for a really long time where we just haven't given students study leave because actually if school's not the best place for them to learn then there's maybe a problem with what we're providing in the school and there's definitely merit you know for some students to maybe have different places to work and give them a little bit of kind of leeway but I do think that school's got to be a place where students feel they can revise and get the best and they have the expert in Mm -hmm. front of them and you know any space or um kind of revision strategy that needs to be done can be done within the context of the classroom so I know that is a bit of a divisive one there'll be a bit of debate amongst teachers there of study leave is it good or bad but I think just generally school should really be the best place for it to happen but I know for me like you I was just out dosing I was out in Bristol I was going to coffee shops telling my parents I was going off to revise. I wasn't. I was going to go and meet my friends out shopping, Park Street. It's great. Loved study, study time. It was great. Yeah, I have yeah, no recollection of what I did, but I'd, it was a revision. Do you know, I really remember there's this, there's this coffee shop in, in Bristol called the Boston Tea Party. And I remember meeting my friend the, the day before our biology A-level exam. <laughs> and... Um, she was like, oh, I haven't revised this topic or this topic yet. I was like, what, you've revised other topics already? And she's like, yeah. I was like, I've not even started my revision yet. <laughs> and that was my biology A-level. I was like, I've, I've done nothing. I've actually done nothing. And I literally crammed the whole day and the whole night before my biology exam. And I came out with a B, did all right. <laughs> there are students that will be sat here now that haven't done any revision up to this point, really. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I, th- I think it's obviously different because there'll be a lot of time in schools, in most schools, I'm sure that is lent 
to revision. There might be some after school interventions. They probably had some stuff in the Easter holidays. You know, I know that's kind of very, really commonplace, but in terms of making the difference at home, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of students out there that have not done a thing. Yeah. And I think the important message to get out to them is it's not too late. It's still no. not too late. Like there is definitely gains to still be made. Um, and I've yeah, seen some miraculous changes yeah, in a very short pe 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 Ab pe absolutely, time. Absolutely. And I think there's definitely some tips and tricks that we can share from our time in teaching that, that will help. And even some teachers maybe who are thinking, I've kind of run out of activities to do now. <laughs> then hopefully we can give you a couple of pointers. But something else I do remember, actually, in terms of revision strategy, there's two other things that I did, right? One of them was I liked writing raps. So I would turn like my history A-level stuff into a rap. Don't ask me now to give the rap, but I did like doing that. And then the other one that I think is really useful, and I actually still remember to this day all of the things I had to, re to revise for that particular exam. It's for RE, and it's RE-GCSE. And this was actually the only thing I did learn at school from my RE teacher, Mrs. Morris. She was the only teacher that ever taught me this. Was um, I think it's called, I've got it written down somewhere, actually. It's called the memory palace method. Have you heard of this, Sean? The memory palace method. The memory palace method. Yeah. No. <laughs> you may not have heard it referred to in that term, but you would have, I think, come across the method before. I feel so like my memory is more of a bungalow than a palace. <laughs> That's how much information I can retain. <laughs> that's not true so the way the memory palace method works is you picture your house and you obviously know your house really really well right you know the outside you know what it looks like you know all of the rooms you know your way around all of the rest of it and so the idea is you take a place that you know really really well and in each room of the house that you walk into you leave kind of like a um a piece of information that might connect to an object in that room so we were learning like the 10 commandments in re and so like you walk into the kitchen and you see the knife and it reminds you thou shall not kill like it was things like that yeah and then like you go up to your parents bedroom and you see the bed and you remember things like thou shall not commit adultery and I can actually fully remember the 10 commandments just by walking through my house my childhood house <laughs> And yeah, it's like things like that. So that's the memory palace method. And actually, it's quite useful. I've done it. I've used it in other things in my life where I've been like, I really need to remember that. I need to drop it off in one of my rooms, like in my house. And so I do that. Have you ever I've, done anything like that? No, <laughs> but I've heard of a friend. I've heard of a friend. A friend told me that when he was learning Spanish, essentially, you get loads of um, what they call post-it notes. Mm. And he'd put the tran the translated word, like the Spanish word for every item in his house, just post-it noted on the item. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, and I, I never even thought of like that as being a technique, but it's great. It's like a daily mm. constant reminder. You're and you're adding imagery to to the words as well, because you yeah. remember both things at the same time. Um, you know, so and That's and I, I suppose it would like help you form sentences because you you walk through the door and you mm -hmm. open up the cupboard and then you're you're linking mm -hmm. the word door with cupboard and you know I think uh, that kind of stuff can definitely help. Yeah, definitely. Do you ever watch any of those um, memory competitions where people memorize like ridiculous amount of objects or things in order? Have you ever seen them on like 
Only like a Darren Brown kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. And I remember watching a TED talk of one of like the world's best memory person. They tell a story, don't they, or something? They tell a story. That's it. So, like, you can have a ton of objects and then they use those objects to tell a story. So, I don't know. I can't really give an example off the top of my head but just think of a ton of objects if you were to like show the pictures of them and then take away the pictures how would you recall of all of the objects Mm. and thing well if you actually told a story using those objects like in 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 the powerpoint slide that there was picture of i don't know something in biology and then like a cell or i don't know whatever it is i i really can't think off the top of my head you're really not helping me out here sean but my point is if you told a story using the pictures you're more likely to remember it so i think that's quite a good technique that i wish i'd been taught properly at school to use. what other techniques do you use in your kind of like revision lessons then so i think um big ones are you know past papers but not just past papers and getting students to to do past papers but like the walking talking mock so you literally go through the mock paper together as a class. You're walking through it with them. You're talking, how would I, if I was writing this exam, how would I attack that question? And you're narrating kind of your thought process to the students. I think that's really important. Um, I think one of my biggest bugbears when I go around and visit teachers' classrooms when they're doing revision lessons um, is when I just see teachers letting students just read or highlight or read the textbook and make a mind map and it's always quite low level mind mapping like that's really not revision I've read a book um, called make it stick and for any teachers out there that are interested in developing kind of revision techniques and really how to to ensure that your students are really learning and embedding stuff make it stick is a fantastic book but it talks about how actually reading highlighting and note-taking are some of the lowest leverage revision tasks you can ever do so when you do actual like targeted testing and practice papers that's really much much more helpful for a student because actually testing is a form of learning as well and interleaving that testing not just Mm -hmm. kind of doing a one-off and not revisiting it but you know in two weeks time going back to some of the questions that you did previously and testing them again and just that constant kind of revisiting of knowledge is really really important the testing effect essentially um so yeah I do a lot of that kind of thing um I do something called the Leitner method have you heard of that no oh love this one right it's with flashcards because don't you think the classic with flashcards is um students might just make them and then they don't use them Right. Yeah, the big thing for me was they have to have questions on the back and like Brucey bonus if it's an actual exam question, mm-hmm. you know, where the information so you can you can apply the information on the other side and you're just asking, the, you know, if, if you, you do it in pairs, someone asks them the exam question and they have to use you know the, the information to answer it or recall it. Yeah, because I think what st- I was finding was so many students, number one, don't know how to write a good flashcard. <laughs> They're basically writing all their notes, but smaller yeah. <laughs> on this one like little bit of paper. <laughs> yeah, like exactly like I was. And number two, once they've done it, they don't use it. So the thing with the Leitner technique is you have the question on one side and the answer on the other, right? Um, but you then have three envelopes. Um, the first envelope is like, Monday the second envelope is Tuesday and Thursday 
and the third envelope is right. Friday. Yeah, I can't like remember. I think I think yeah. it's that. And then you put all of the cards into the Monday pile. And you test yourself, ask the question, did you get it right? If you got it right, it goes into the Tuesday and Thursday pile. If you get it wrong, it stays in the Monday pile. Oh, no, sorry. It's not a Monday pile. It's the everyday pile. It's not Monday. It's every no, day. I've, every I day, Tuesday, this. Thursday, and Friday. Yeah. Then the next day, which is Tuesday, you go to your Tuesday, Thursday thing, and you test yourself again. If you got those ones right, it goes into the Friday pile. If you got any of them wrong, it goes back into the everyday pile. You also do your everyday pile. Did you get any right? Then it goes into the next one, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. So the mm. idea is you keep going until all of your revision cards are in that Friday pile. And it's just that constant revisiting knowledge, retesting yourself, interleaving the content, spacing it out. All of that good stuff is wrapped up in the Lightner technique. So I did that a lot with my sixth formers, actually, was got them to kind of have three envelopes that they labeled. And, and then yeah, also good. it's a nice one to teach parents, actually, because then parents can really help them with that. They don't necessarily need to know the knowledge themselves. They just need to ask the question and check they got it right and help them move the cards to the Friday pile. Yeah. And I think for me, that solves two problems, which are quite common. The first is that when you... When you watch a student do a, a revision timetable, um, mm. it's very like English today, French tomorrow, Wednesdays and yeah. maths, and it's blocked. And then you, yeah. I've done English this week. I don't need to do it again. You know, yeah. or I've done this yeah. section of English, this topic, whatever. I'm not touching that again. And and we know, you know, from um, research that mm. That's not how memory works best. It's best, yeah. as you said, to be interleaved and kind of woven throughout the week. So you revisit things again and again. So it, this method obviously kind of forces you to do that. Yeah. Um, and the second thing I was going to say, actually, that, about this, um, as a question, really. Uh-huh. If you're a teacher right now and you've got year 11s, do you think that it's better for them to create flashcards for their classes, buy some high quality ones, or just make some that are great or get the students to make them themselves? Oh, that's a good question because the quality that the students, <laughs> the, the, the quality of flashcard that students can make can really vary. Um, yeah. I suppose you can do a kind of combined version of the two. So what I used to do with with some of my students was I would have for each topic 15 questions um that I wrote out and then bullet pointed that the like keywords and, and kind of key bits of the answer they absolutely had to include in their response so it wasn't just giving them to them ready done without them having to think um or revisit that content by kind of redoing it um, but it was also quite heavily structured and guided. So it wasn't just create flashcards. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So it was a bit of a hybrid approach that I took. However, I suppose at this point in the year where you have only got maybe three and a half weeks until the first exam, if you can invest in some high quality flashcards, then that might actually just sort the issue out quite quickly rather than it being a case of, hey guys, let's make flashcards and then using up a whole lesson to do that when actually there could be something out there online already that could be much more useful. What what would you do? Well, I've been thinking about this and considering that most subjects in most schools are exam-based, mm. revision techniques are often left to the class teacher of that subject to teach them bespokely for that subject. Mm -hmm. But actually 
revision is is generic across all subjects it's the same techniques yeah. you know obviously it changes from recall questions to essay questions but yeah. essentially it's just not it's not a skill that we teach like mm -hmm. whole school very often i don't see many examples mm. of that and i'm sure there are schools that do and yeah you know we've definitely been part of putting things in but it's not mm -hmm. like a national curriculum requirement that you must teach students to revise effectively and True. it is a skill and, and it is yeah you know and i think so if you're in that position now where students are panicking and stuff like just give it to them but if yeah. you if the best case scenario i think is that you are teaching it constantly from year seven all the way up to year 11 mm -hmm. because you can have the best lessons in the world and you can you know um teach to check learning checkpoints throughout the mm -hmm. year so you're teaching up to this point and they're going to assess this and you build them up for six weeks to this assessment point and they've done really well but coming into an exam period where you're gonna to have to express all of the knowledge and apply all of the knowledge that you've learned over two years plus in the space of six weeks yeah that's that's very different to anything else you know mm -hmm. and it's, it's even different to like a mock exam window which is typically a couple of weeks long and you have two exams every day for two weeks you know it's mm. not the same thing and you um that kind of encourages cramming a little bit doesn't it you know but it when does, you've got the yeah. space to really like revise properly i don't think mm. that just nationally we prepare students for that you know in a very yeah. systematic way and just True. say this is this is the curriculum for revision and this is how you need to teach it this is what interleaving is kids need to know yeah. what interleaving means and what, yeah. what what it looks like in practice a hundred percent i've seen um, this done really well actually in a school um that I've, I've worked with in croydon where um the the only home learning that the students from year seven all the way through to year 11 get is revision but they have revision books and that's their homework books mm -hmm. and they're pre um they're kind of pre-populated with um, revision questions from each subject. And then it's kind of revisited, interleaved content all the way through. And it's that each page is kind of give a portion to a day. So it has the, the kind of date on the top. So students know that day is that day's homework. It's already pre-populated. It's already preset revision questions that they all have to complete. That They'll revisit in a couple of weeks. It'll be interleaved throughout. And so it's like a really simple system, but all their home learning is directed to developing that revision skill of kind of revisiting content and retesting themselves and making sure that kind of it's yeah constantly there at the forefront of their minds so i have seen it done quite well but how would you build a culture of revision in a school oh, wow that's a big question but i guess you've got to normalize similar to what this school that you're talking about is like normalize um mm. practicing yeah you know practicing questions practicing recall mm -hmm. um and you know even from like from year sevens like their assessments make them feel like exams yeah it's yeah, yeah it just it, it doesn't feel like a big deal when you're going into the exams in year 11 um mm -hmm. you're building students up to and you're normalizing that feeling normalizing the expectation mm. of how you you know behave in an exam hall normalizing yeah. the expectation of like how you revise um yeah so i think like a lot a lot of it is i suppose just intentionally carving it into your curriculum and yeah. just your school ethos around home learning and homework yeah. because otherwise homework can be great 
Um, mm. And I think there are a lot of online platforms now that kind of support that. I know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's things like Seneca and Tassamai yeah. and these online yeah. platforms. And I think if they use it really well, essentially you, you are getting students to revise every week. That's what you're doing. Yeah. But there's also other elements like um, exam technique and... Yeah. Um, and practice questions yeah um and I, I think you spoke about that before about using those in your revision lessons mm-hmm. those practice questions mm-hmm. one of the things that i found so useful was when like taught a lot of subjects that do essay questions mm-hmm. media gcse and then music and um yeah. they're they're really heavily weighted you know if you get them wrong then you you can really you know lower your chances of doing well in the exam if you get this Mm -hmm. wrong so um one thing that i I got this from actually teaching media and learning from the guys in media of using a writing structure like Mm -hmm. peel or like point evidence explain or whatever yeah but then timing um the question and breaking it down into chunks so you should have written your point by now yeah so you know maybe like a minute in stop the Mm -hmm. clock and get everyone to just stop and then read someone's point that's really good and then read someone's that isn't and say why it's good and why it isn't because you know a point should be a sentence some students will start writing paragraphs for point and they don't get onto the evidence and the explanation that starts yeah. to get them the marks yeah and you know how many times have you read an essay question that's just waffle yeah or like completely. you make a point and then you just make another point you don't really explain or you know yeah that's a, that's that's a really good point because I think we don't do enough of that real timed practice, but no. for the individual elements. So you might do like, okay, we're going to do a mock paper. It's an hour. Off you go. It's under mm-hmm. time conditions. Yes, that's helpful to some extent because it's getting them used to kind of the um, pressure of an exam. But they also need to feel the different elements, like you were just saying, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like this is how long you should spend on a three marker, six marker, twelve mm-hmm. marker, twenty marker, whatever it is. This is what that time feels like, not yeah. just the overall entirety of an hour exam. So I think that's really important. And we used to in our sixth form in the study room, we had loads of timers. Um, that students could just take so they could time themselves at different points. And we really, you know, push that as being a technique for them to get used to that pressure of time. Even well, like doing homework and under time conditions and stuff, doing tasks, do you know what I mean, under certain time conditions. Well, how many, how many year 11s have you kind of taught over the years that are bright, but just can't answer an essay question properly? Completely. So many. And you're just like, and well, then how, they... how have we got to this point? It's my, our fault. Yeah. It's not yeah. theirs. They've just no, not been no, taught no. how to do it. Yeah, we don't do enough of that time to practice at all. And it is that that's a really, really important point to make. Definitely. Yeah, because I mean, when I reflect over the years of like teaching, so, you know, as I was saying before, you'll teach typically six to six to eight weeks and then smack an assessment in there. But it's it's almost like you need a pre-assessment before your assessment to say this mm. is how you do the assessment. You know, I want to teach you how you do the assessment. And yeah. I've experimented with this before, you know, with classes and it, and it helps. So the lesson before your assessment, you do a pre-assessment lesson where you're like, yeah. this is how we do the assessment. This is what you're going to be expected yeah. to do. You know, let's have a go at doing this together, like a walking, talking mock of that assessment. Yeah. You're doing that from year seven all the way up. Yeah. And it, it does pay dividends. Yeah. It does, you know. Um, yeah. And I think like, like I said before, it's not the be all and end all exams. There's so much, but ultimately if you want to change lives in this society 
in this country, getting students results that can unlock more doors for them is yeah. is the is is one of the best ways. Yeah. That's, you know. that's what's going to make a difference for them. And mm -hmm. actually, if we do teach them the skill of those things, that stays with you for life. And it isn't just about yeah. constant kind of testing and examination. Because I know there'll be some teachers listening to this. Like, oh, we test too much. We examine students too much, all the rest of it. But I think if we started to change our mindset on on kind of what testing can be. So in um, mm. the Make It Stick book, it says, if we stop thinking of testing as a dipstick to measure learning and we think of it as practicing retrieval of learning from memory so the use of testing as a tool for learning then that kind of flips it on its head it's a tool for learning it's not just a test for seeing how much you've learned so it's like testing and examination is just as much a tool for learning as anything else isn't it like absolutely even if you think about when you're learning to drive like it's you've got to be doing it you've got to be like literally doing the driving itself to start learning how to drive <laughs> Do you know what I mean until things start becoming reflexive and things start becoming really like you don't have to think about it anymore but you can only get to, you can't get to that point by just reading books and answering the theory questions of a driving theory test that's not going to help you learn like know how to drive is it do you know what I mean so it's like the testing by doing is the most important part of the learning yeah and I, I guess it's um, ultimately at any stage of a student's kind of educational path, you have to know if you've taught them correctly. So testing yeah. is, is, I mean, it's yeah. part of every lesson, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to do an exam question every lesson. No. <laughs> you know, or, but, but, you know, you can be a bit more mindful of, of how you're testing yeah. different parts of your curriculum be very intentional yeah. about where you put specific type of tests yeah and and very you know very specific homeworks that prepare them for it mm. you know it's, so. a ref it's a reflection for you as well isn't it of mm -hmm. actually do i need to reteach that a little bit better uh do i need to adjust the curriculum plan a little bit because actually that doesn't delve deep enough into this particular area that these students really need to know and they clearly haven't grasped it yet do i need to change my scheme of work a little bit and rearrange where the lessons go and what we're doing in each one to revisit that content so yeah it's 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 really important moving on just thinking about building that culture of revision and some of the strategies you use other than kind of in the classroom stuff you do as a teacher is there anything else that you do to prepare students for their exams i think well there are loads of things aren't they but um i think a lot of it now for me is about mindset about mm. you know coping with the pressure mm -hmm. um, and building time in the school day to um talk about that as well sometimes yeah. i've done it like form time or using assemblies to have a conversation about those type of things and normalizing you know those feelings mm. because people might not speak up about them but just feel them inside yeah um i think as i said like there's a lot of extra revision lessons now and being very mindful about how they are run and yeah. what what who you're bringing back yeah it's not just one size fits all you know are no. you being really intentional about who you're inviting back to um do some revision with you and what revision you're doing for those students yeah and not forgetting about the others you know mm -hmm. you might set something a bit more independent for those or have them back at a different time but i suppose it's just being really 
laser focused and intentional with who you have because otherwise it just becomes generic yeah and very unhelpful for the for the majority of people in the room Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I think there's a pastoral piece as well that you get to do um I don't know if you've ever read the about the one percent effect but essentially if there's just one percent thing that you could do just to make it even better then and you did that kind of every day then you know after a certain amount of time you're going to have made a massive difference and um so we talk a lot about things like diet and sleep yeah breakfast and when it's the exam season we put on breakfast free for the students so they come in they can have kind of tea hot chocolate coffee whatever and they have you know some breakfast and we make sure that kind of there's a focus on that we we make sure that we speak to parents about those things as well because parents are such an important stakeholder and so just like I remember even writing to parents asking them if it was possible for their child not to have so many chores to do during that period of time just because their focus needed to be on this and I know that's not always possible with some of the communities that we serve that have so many other things going on but where possible bring the parents in say right now I just really can you just make sure that they get to bed at this time they eat their breakfast or they or you send them into school for breakfast you know it's just having those conversations as well Um, Mm -hmm. I think Pixel do some really good resources posters and stuff on like superfoods to eat and so we used to kind of display different things like smoothies you can think like eat and make that you know, have brain superpowers and we'd have displays all over the place of you know what really makes a difference for your brain um i think those things are actually useful yeah or just ask your students not to eat sweets and crisps on the way to school yeah. <laughs> or the next six weeks chicken and chips on the way home yeah <laughs> yeah but I, you know it's it's those things it's that one percent what will make a difference that you know that it might seem small but actually it could have a big difference yeah. um over time if students are getting regular sleep if they're eating well if they're more alert if they're, if they're well hydrated and and those things that, that that's important Um, And I think also your use of assemblies and messaging is really important. It's like, how can I really inspire and invigorate the students right now? Not bog them down in information, but how can we celebrate, you know, great things? I remember you used to do um, flashcard Fridays, didn't you, on Fridays and like celebrate like great revision resources that you had seen. Yeah, I mean, that kind of evolved um, quite dramatically. Uh, Originally, it was just a kind of, ploy to get students to make flashcards in a way that we (laughs) wanted them to you know and it became this thing like flashcard friday students had to just bring in some flashcards that they'd made on a friday and then it changed to okay well we want you to bring in these flashcards so these are the topics that we'd like you to um create revision for and then it's you know moons and moons later it changed (laughs) to these are the topics and um, that your subject teachers have said you need to revise. Um, we're going to give you miles in advance. Every day you need to just come in to form and have brought a piece of revision material for these topics. You know, so Monday you're bringing in a character analysis of someone in Macbeth. On Tuesday mm-hmm. you're going to do, you know, whatever it might be, a mm-hmm. periodic table, who knows. But um, like every <laughs> single day we've broken down and, and, and it was it was mm. based on the most if like every kid had revised all of these things well Mm -hmm. they're gonna do okay you know so it's like the most the things that are gonna make the biggest differences if everyone just did these things and 
you know, as I said, it's like about building culture. It started small mm. and then it got very big. And like, yeah. um, the, you can't go from zero to there. Yeah. You have to build in these just like small habits. But it, it ended up with, you know, year sevens doing yeah. similar things. Like so year sevens doing something that originally I was expecting a year 11 to do. Yeah. And, and you know, you can only imagine what the difference that's going to make by the time they're in year 11. Yeah. You know, and it became a point. It. Yeah. It became a point of celebration as well. Absolutely. Like, yeah. You know what and I mean? That, so we, we did it in sixth form as well. And it's kind of like, we would, we would just kind of show it on the, the screen, you know, celebrating mm -hmm. great resources that we'd seen get students to shout each other out when they'd kind of done a shared revision session together. And it was like a really good one. And, you know, when, when students had helped each other out with their revision and helped create flashcards, they'd shout that out in assembly. And it, it became like this culture of we're in this together, you know, as the tide rises, all the boats go up. Yeah, that was kind of the sure. mantra. And it's like, come on, we can all do this together. We're all helping each other. We're all revising together. We're all pushing through. And I think it's really utilizing those community moments to really celebrate the great revision that is seen and also just the effort that all the students are putting into getting ready for exams. Now, I think one of the things that we was, was talking about before is about anxiety that yeah. students have. And, and these things, when you normalize them, go a long way to yeah. stop anxiety for a, for a lot of students because it doesn't build it up to this big thing. You know, revision mm. isn't this big thing. It's just something that you've always done. Yeah. You know, yeah. something that you're very used to, similar with the exams. And, yeah. and you know, ultimately there are always going to be students with you know, anxiety and probably staff mm. as well, because yeah, of course. it's a big moment. It's high stakes. It certainly yeah. feels high stakes when you're 16. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the kind of feeling is if you don't mm. do well, you're a failure. That's kind of yeah. how deep it feels. And yeah. obviously that's not true. And you're going to live so many more lifetimes that you've, than you've already lived to kind of, mm. you know, discover new things and, and, and live a different yeah. way or whatever. But at that moment when you're 16, it feels like it can feel like the only thing that matters in that moment. Yeah, completely. I do, um, I do an assembly every year after MOOC exams and it's the same assembly. I've become mm -hmm. a bit renowned for it, which is my David and Goliath assembly. And I talk about, um, for those of you who don't know the story, David is a little boy, beats this big giant Goliath, whatever. But before David beat Goliath, he was out in the fields looking after his father's sheep. And so I talked to the students about, um, about David and who he was and what he did and how he faced this big giant Goliath. And I was like, sometimes you feel like your exams are this big giant that you've got to face and you just feel very small and you feel like you can't do it. And it's like, how am I going to beat this big, big giant? And then I talk about how David, when he was looking after the sheep, the lions and the bears would come and try and steal the sheep. But David would fight against the lions and bears and he would, um, he would, kill the lions and bears and protect his sheep and so when he came to face Goliath he wasn't afraid he wasn't scared because he'd already faced the lions and the bears and so in that assembly obviously I do it much better than that summary but in that um, assembly I talk about so what are your lions and bears what is it that you need to slay now so that when it comes to the giant you're not so afraid you're not feeling so anxious and so those lions and bears could just be you know what, I get anxious when I miss lessons because maybe I'm off school. And so then I fall behind in my work. Okay, so let's, the, the, the lion you need to slay right now is your attendance. 
Do you know what I mean? Being in school, being on time, making sure you're here. Maybe it's your homework. Maybe it's doing your flashcards. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, whatever it is um, that, that they need to do to be able to feel ready for it. And so then there's this language in the whole kind of sixth form and year 11 to do it with year 11s as well. There's this language of what are your lions and bears? I remember some students coming up to me, miss, that assembly it's made me really think about my lions and bears I'm going to make sure that I come into school every day now and it was like it was a cool moment but I think it's just like you say normalizing some of these processes so they're not so scared of when they face that that Goliath really and truly and that's you know it's important to to normalize things I think as well with students that struggle with anxiety exam anxiety is um taking them to the spaces where they're going to sit their mm. exams so I used to have a student she suffered really bad exam anxiety actually like like significant issue with it and so in her study period she's in a sixth form um within the study periods make them sit in the gym um when there weren't PE lessons going on because that's where the exam would take place so I said you just go and study and revise in the gym get used to just being in that space, picture that space, picture your revision notes in that space, just sit in that space as regularly as possible. And it's just like a simple thing. But again, it goes back to that 1% effect, you know? Absolutely. And like visualization, you know, imagine yourself doing well, like boxers, football players, um, and, you know, um, other sports people in, in really kind of high pressure situations, it's part of sports psychology to actually mm. go into the spaces, imagine what it's going to feel like walking mm. to the ring with, you know, 90,000 people or whatever, you know, um, and, and imagine what it's like. Imagine getting your mm. hand raised and it's powerful because yeah. it doesn't feel it doesn't you're like kind of rewiring your brain to expect yeah. the best, you know, mm. so it's very powerful stuff. Um, and I think a lot of it, as you said, is about normalizing things making it feel yeah. normal and it kind of links in as you said about the kind of lions and bears mm. that's those are the one percents that you were talking about yeah. before like what's your next one percent move on yeah. do it go to the next one and i think um it can be so overwhelming all of the yeah. things all of the things that you haven't revised um all of the subjects that you want to improve mm. but it's just write your list write your revision and just one at a time do it don't worry about tomorrow just get done mm. today we'll go through yeah. that pile of flashcards that you've got marked every day do those mm. ones don't worry yeah. about the part that says tomorrow like just just focus on the next step in front of you yeah. it's kind of you know i know there's loads of analogies isn't there it's like the marathon yeah. don't don't think about running the whole marathon just think of your next step next yeah of course and you I get think there yeah, of course. And for teachers, I think it's for them to be mindful of their language. I remember at one point we were banned from talking about exams mm. and we were asked to just focus on the here and now, focus on just yep. this lesson. And the kind of slogan at that time was just trust the process. If you just focus on today and what needs to get done today and you do that every day, then just trust the process that when you get to that final point, you're ready and so as teachers we have to be really mindful of our language that we're yeah. not causing more anxiety than needs to happen but that we're focusing on kind of the here and now do you know what I mean yeah and I think it kind of goes without saying but I'm gonna say it anyway you know if you're teaching just look through the calendar go through every single lesson cross-reference the lesson with the calendar and just make sure you know 
which classes that you have 100% of your students in and which ones you don't because mm. there's nothing like you're you're in a finite amount of time and there's mm. nothing worse than kind of turning up to your lesson and realizing oh it's a drop down day and all the students that are doing photography are not in my class today and I don't yes. have them you know yeah, you've planned this point. you know it, it happens it, so yeah. it's just be as kind of razor sharp and That's as it. focused as you expect your students to be you need to be that as well yeah know the intervention schedule and the exam timetable for sure because there's nothing worse than when you've planned this really great revision lesson <laughs> and yeah. half the kids aren't there and you're thinking oh no like this so I've now got only this time so definitely think about those things at this this part of the year for sure mm-hmm. and and I think as well just kind of thinking about some of the other things I do just before kind of the exam time and period is um is start thinking about how do we create kind of yeah this culture of praise and almost luck so I I remember being in a pixel conference and hearing this um story about or a piece of research about if students feel lucky then they'll go into the exam doing They'll, they'll do better in the exams right I don't know the exact percentages or anything like that have you heard of this piece of research you told me about it you told me Other about than it, that, so okay yeah. so basically there was like this research where they they left pound coins like I'm not saying we need to do this for the students but they left pound coins around like the school area or whatever and so students were picking up these pound coins like oh my gosh I found a pound coin like you know like what and they went into the exam feeling like today's my lucky day like I found a pound coin like this is great and apparently like they did better I don't know how like you know accurate this research is but what I would say because <laughs> I can see you shaking your head about what the heck no so <laughs> what I was gonna say I don't think it's necessarily just about luck it's just if you are being positive you know and having positive energy yeah it sounds a bit wishy-washy positive energy but you know there's a truth to it there's a truth to that it's the story that you tell yourself definitely and you live the story that you tell yourself that's how it works yeah there's so much it's it's not even like debate it's like there's so much science that supports this nowadays where the conversation you're having in your head just plays true and if you're saying i'm lucky or i'm I'm confident you are confident and that's it it's you know. creating those moments for the students where they have just this positive mindset. And one way that we did that really well at Clovis, um, we used to have a praise tunnel. Mm. And uh, you remember this, right? So it's so, sixth form just to kind of, because I don't think it, you get away with this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you've got 180 kids walking through. Yeah, I mean, I got away with a lot in sixth form. It's probably about 120 kids doing yeah. this. But all the kids that didn't have an exam, including year 12, so all the effectings that didn't have an exam and year 12, before um so okay let me rewind all the students that had an exam that morning they would be in like this waiting area and then all the rest of the sixth form would form a tunnel that we called the praise tunnel and then the students who were about to sit exam went through the praise tunnel and everyone would be cheering clapping wishing them luck saying you can do this high-fiving 
And yeah, it was loud, but it was like this rite of passage and it was exciting and it was fun. And all the kids going through it with just these big smiles on their faces. Like obviously, you know, ones or twos that were like, oh, I'm not going through that. And that was fine. They didn't have to. It wasn't like you have to go through it. But I think it was just about this, create this buzz, this excitement, mm-hmm. this sense of like almost joy about I'm about to sit this exam. You know, I've, I've done all this work and we'd kind of do like a little pre-chat with them. Like you've done so much to this point you've worked so hard you know you've been in school and you've done your work you've followed the process you've done your flashcards you've done what you can do let's go prove it to them and then they'd be like yeah come on <laughs> and then they go through the tunnel <laughs> and you know if you can do something like that why not why not create that culture so what you don't realize is <laughs> that, that this is happening because there'll be times where the sixth form are in the same exam hall as the rest of the school. <laughs> right. So we've got them like lined up outside and it's like very much, you know, for a year, take your coat and bag off, put them at the thing, you know, take your phone out, make sure it's like rules and regulations, like to make sure that they come and correct and they don't slip up before they've even started. You know, they've not got a kind of a, we do non- that too, by a the non-clear, way, a the non-clear pencil case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we do and those checks before this is more this is more of um a mock exam i suppose like than the actual real ones to be honest with you but um because you did this in mock exams as well yeah yeah we do this it in both real yeah, and this. mock so we've got all these students sat in the exam hall just waiting silently you know and obviously for the sixth form to come in who are you know the model of how to do it correctly and all you can hear is you can do it <laughs> And they're this. like looking at me and I'm kind of looking at them like, shh, don't, no, 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 we don't. Don't, don't, don't talk. It's me, head of sixth form, bounding in like, they're ready. But, I, you know, I think um, it's, there, is, I've, there, there is similar things that happen uh, at lower school, like as, mm. uh, at, at um, secondary school. A lot of the time the kids will be in a kind of, um, you know, their lines or whatever, sat down in the hall and they're going to be dismissed into the um, exam hall. And you do get a lot of teachers like queuing up outside to kind of wish them good luck and, you know, give them a kind of high five as they're walking in. But it is not the same as what you, you yours is like a football team talk, <laughs> kind of everybody's hands in the middle, three, two, one, exam, you know. Kind I mean, of it thing. kind of evolved. It did start <laughs> off relatively sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> took on a whole life of its own but it's powerful Confetti, to see. everything yeah no it is it, it is and the kids enjoy it you know and it makes something yeah. that's sometimes well stressful. you know scary and stressful just yeah. you know make you see the kind of the lighter side of it um and yeah. i think that's probably a good way to end isn't it yeah definitely definitely i think we've covered quite a few things given a few strategies a few tips that we've kind of taken from the trade and hopefully given you a few ideas of something that you can do moving forward obviously there is a plethora of revision strategies and programs online that you can look into and we can definitely link some of those in the bottom of the the podcast in our notes but um wish you guys all the best good luck with the exams we know that it can be really stressful for teachers as much as it is for students so good luck um we're excited to hear your stories right go slay some bears and dragons and lions it's not dragons is it lions lions and bears bears, bro there you go go slay them just read your bible (laughs) (laughs) that's all for this week folks thanks everyone for listening don't forget to connect with us on social media just search that staff room podcast links are in the show notes 
Get involved in the conversation by leaving comments and messages. This podcast is all about sharing ideas and building connections. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you're feeling kind, then leave us a review. Five stars are most welcome. Until next time, top up your coffee, sharpen your pencils, class dismissed.